Jessica. And I'm Rico. And this is ATC Presents Debaki Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And guys, we are back for season two. Okay, yeah. Yes, this is so exciting. I actually got Rico to agree to a season two. And you guys have been super helpful and actually letting us know that you wanted a season two and what dramas you wanted us to review. So this is very exciting. Um, What have you been up to, Rico? the past few months when it comes to the world of korean dramas i can't say that i have been you know diving headfirst into them but i have been uh starting to watch at least the ones that we're going to watch yeah and um i'm interested to talk about them because (laughs) i have thoughts for sure yeah and you know trying to get my head wrapped around how Korean dramas operate, especially in uh-huh. the first couple of shows that we watched, was a, a little tough because I'm so yeah. used to a certain, like a Western style of show yeah, yeah. versus something that comes from the East. So, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in talking about certain things and especially starting with a pretty big show. This uh, apparently uh, well- I was... Taking a look, apparently, like it won awards and stuff. Yes, so it's won some awards. It is a pretty well-known drama, and that is when the camellia blooms. That is the drama we're going to be reviewing on this episode. But before we do, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please give us a rate and review. It can be as little as good episode. And that's it. Like you don't have to you don't have to think it through, write an essay, nothing. It can be as simple as you want it to be, but five stars. Don't be petty. No, don't be petty at all. And also come check us out on social media so you could stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ATC Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You could check out our page through our mother uh, show, which is ATC. Uh, you could check us out on patreon.com slash always critic pod. Yeah. All right. So we have our Asian wiki synopsis right here. Um, do you want to give it a go? We go start us off. I will give it a go. All Let's right. Let's do this. All right. So I'm already going to start off terribly. Here <laughs> Don't Dong, worry about it. Dong Baek. Is yeah, it Dong okay. Baek? It's okay. like a Dong Baek. Dong Baek. Yeah. Got it. Is a single mother living in a small town of Ongsan. Mm-hmm. She runs the bar restaurant Camellia while also taking care of her son Pilgo. Pilgo. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people of Ongsan frequently gossip about Dong Baek. She grew up as an orphan, is a single mother, and runs a bar where many of the men in Ong San frequent. Regardless of what the locals may whisper about Dong Baek, local police officer Huang Yong Sik is deeply in love with her. Meanwhile, Dong Baek's ex-boyfriend Kang Jong Ryu, I have yes, a hard that's time. a hard one. Don't that's worry about a, it. That's a tough one. Uh, suddenly reappears in her life. He is a famous baseball player who hid their relationship when they dated. While Dong Baek tries to find happiness, something truly sinister lurks in the background. A serial killer roams Ong San, and Dong Baek may be a target. Yeah, so that's basically the first 
what, two episodes or so yeah, of the show. Yeah, pretty much the first two. But it is a pretty accurate representation of what the, insha- the entire show is about. Uh, when the Camellia Blooms originally aired from September to November in 2019, it is 20 episodes long. It's directed by Cha Yong-un and Kam Min-young. It is a male and female directing duo that worked on this. Um, Cha Yong-un is mo- has most notably directed Are You Human 2 from 2018. And he will direct Forecast Love and Weather, which is a 2022 show starring Park Min-young from What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? Uh, hey, you know. Hey, yes, I do know. <laughs> yeah, What's Wrong with Secretary What's Wrong with Secretary Kim is a season one show that we covered. So you can scroll back in your podcast feed and give that a listen if you want. Kang Min Kyung, Kang Min Kyung, the female director, also directed Lovely Horribly in 2018. When the Camellia Blooms is written by Im Sang Chun, and he wrote Fight for My Way, which stars Pak So Jun from What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. Kim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead back to What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. Okay. The show stars Kong Hyo Jin as Dong Baek, and she has done 22 movies, and she's been in quite a few TV shows. I personally love her. I remember her as being one of my first like K-drama leading actresses that I saw. And so okay. you can watch her. These are the ones that I've actually watched. So Biscuit Teacher and Candy and Star Candy from 2005. That has Gong Yu. Pasta from 2010, which I never finished. <laughs> the Master Sun from 2013 with Soji Sub. You know Soji Sub. Your brother gave me a calendar, a Soji Sub calendar. Yeah, that's true. Once upon a time. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then she was also the star of It's Okay, That's Love from 2014. Amazing show. Give it a watch. Um, her co-star is Kang Hanul, who plays Young Sik, and he's done 17 movies. And... Among them are Midnight Runners from 2017 with Park So Joon. Park So Joon. Park So Joon. Hey. Empire of Lust from 2015. This is a period piece from the Joseon Dynasty. And oh my God, he played the devil. Like not literally, but he was so right. devilish. And basically he played a rapist husband. I couldn't oh, wrap my head around it. It was so devious. That's kind of weird, especially with the character portrayal he shows here. If you watch Empire of Lust, and I'm not like recommending go watch a movie called Empire of Lust, but here I am. Um, the movie was really freaky how he, he was so good in it. Like I was like, I couldn't reconcile the two, you know, his other roles and then this role. And then he's also been in 20 from 2015. And that is with Juno from 2 PM. Everyone loves Juno right now. He is a hot ticket actor ever since the red sleeve came out, which is another period drama actually. Right. And then 20 also stars Kim Ubin. He's like an it guy in, in the Hollywood world. Uh, Yes, I would say that Kang Hanul is most well known for Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart Rio from 2016. Okay. It is one of those shows. It's got IU in it. It's got a whole mess of really uh, well-known, well-liked actors in it. And like young, it's basically like young Hollywood almost, but like young K-drama Right, young K-drama world. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. That show was wild (laughs) (laughs) it's just wild um it also stars uh, i'm going back to when the camellia blooms not (laughs) not moon lovers no no um we've got kim jisuk as the baseball player jung ryol he is the baby daddy we'll just call him the baby daddy baby daddy that's way easier yeah yeah 
He's been in movies like 200 Pounds Beauty, which sucked. Um, he's also <laughs> been in a bunch. <laughs> he's also been in a bunch of TV, and he's actually an older generation of K drama actor. Mm. So he was in Personal okay. Taste in 2010. Personal Taste stars Lee Min Ho. Lee Min Ho. Lee Min Ho from boy. Boys Over Flowers. Hey. That's our boy. Yeah, he was also in In Need of Romance 2012, Chung Dang Dong, Alice, which I never finished, <laughs> Angel Eyes, which stars Koo Hae Sun from Boys Over Flowers. That's our girl from Boys oh, Over Flowers. That's our girl. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It is. And then he was also in Another Miss O from 2016, which I highly recommend. And actually, we can go really fast over some of the not cameos, but the other like. Right, the smaller the big characters. Because they're see, it's a bit of an ensemble cast, but yeah. I'll go quickly through like these other people. So there's like the governor, hopeful slash town fool dude, is played by Oh Jung Se, and that character's name is Nokute. He's a prolific actor. He's been in like 54 movies. Hey. He's been in a bunch of TV. He's like a that guy of K drama. And recently he was in Jiri San from 2021. And it's okay to not be okay. He played a man with autism in that. That's a Netflix show, so you definitely got to give it a watch. That was like an it show for 2020. Touch Your Heart, Missing Nine, and I Miss You from 2012-2013. I Miss You is the show that I talked about in season one where like Mm. the kid witnesses the girl being raped and then they like get together later when they grow up and there's all this trauma. Yeah. I don't, I'm still, uh, I don't know if I ever still a little recommend that. Yeah. Much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we have Lee Jung Un as Jung Suk, and that is the mom. Yes. Dong Baek's mom. And in I, the show. this one I recognized. I recognize. Do you recognize? Her. Where is she from, Rico? Tell us. She is from the 2019 film Parasite. That's right. She was the <laughs> housekeep, uh, housekeeper and uh, basically the one that was allergic to the peaches. Yes, the peaches. Yes. Oh my gosh! I, so I I'm saw so her glad on that you recognized and I was her. like, "Wait a minute, I know her." Yes, like, it was one of the first times I was like, "I know this person." I am so happy you recognized her because I do the same thing, but like on on a bigger scale because I recognize them from every which place, right? Right. I'm like, "Oh, they were in here and they were there," but I'm so glad you finally had that experience of being like, "Hey, hey, Leo meme." <laughs> the Leo meme, just like snapping <laughs> finger pointing at the screen. Yes. So she's also been in a bunch of TV. So she was in law school most recently in 2021. Strangers from Hell in 2019. Mr. Sunshine. Uh, and that show stars Yu Young Suk, who is Doc Andreas from yes. Hospital Playlist. Okay. We covered Hospital Playlist in yes, season one. Did. So it's all intertwining, right? Yeah, it's all intertwining. It's It kind of feels because TV kind of has a thing like this um, here on the Western side, too, where there are certain actors who just keep popping up in like sitcoms and just Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. hey, I know you. You were on Community (laughs) and now you're on this show, you know, like stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, the K-drama world is pretty small, I feel. Yeah. So you get like all of these like that guys, that girl and like these big stars that overlap each other's filmography yes so she was also in fight for my way we also talked about that already yes, June. and then she was in tomorrow with you who which stars ejeun from signal ejeun boy yes yeah. <laughs> we have a neighborhood ajuma that everybody knows and loves it's kim sung yun and she plays chan suk she's also always wearing like the blue or purple eyeshadow oh, in the okay, show her. yes yeah 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 i know her 
She was most recently in The Silent Sea, which is a Netflix K-drama, um, kind of like a gravity in space sci-fi sort of scenario. Oh, um, I heard about this uh, movie, right? Movie? Well, yeah, it show. was like an eight or nine episode K-drama. Oh, it was, in, it was a show. Yeah. It was a show. Mm-hmm. I did she hear in, about it. Yes, because it was, you know, kind of trending. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. I did write a review for it and it's on the blog if you want to read it. Uh, she was most importantly in Crash Landing on You. Which we definitely saw. Which we saw for season one and reviewed on season one. And she's been in a bunch of other ones. Reply 1988, because this is my first life, her private life. Um, So many. That's just the tip of the iceberg for her. So many. And then I want to mention this because he's a throwaway character in this show. However, he had a fantastic 2021. So I have to point him out. Okay. Lee Sung-yi, he plays the baseball coach. Oh, 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 that the guy. The baseball coach the is baseball somebody coach. now because he was in three shows in 2021 and like stole people's hearts. He was in Yumi Cells in 2021, Hometown Cha 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 and Youth of May. All three of those shows are very well known. Hometown Cha 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 was like the show of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So he And he was the second male lead. So it wasn't even like a throwaway part. Go Yi. <laughs> go Yi. Sang-yi. Go Sang Yi. Okay. <laughs> Get Do it. you, man. That's Do awesome. You. I know. I wanted to point him out. So after all that, all the all the names are out of the way. What did you think about when the camellia blooms? I I liked some of it. I I liked Ooh. the. <laughs> this isn't starting right. So I'm not a I'm I'm a fan of the romantic plot. Okay. I do like a good like rom com, a little bit of a screwball comedy. Uh, this one does go into screwball a little bit more, especially with the lead guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, he is all over the place sometimes. I know. <laughs> His emotions are so like far out one way or another. His mm. emotions, like he, the way he like stammers when yeah. he's trying to, you know, build up the courage to talk to uh, Dong Beck. It's just, it's funny at times. And other yeah. times I'm just like, all right, come on, guy. You you gotta you gotta reel uh, it in. Let's yeah. Come on. Um, so I find I find it enjoyable. His character. I think that uh, Dunkbeck is lovely. She's a mm. lovely, uh, uh, you know, character to follow, especially in in a love story like this. Uh, something that I really really admire was portraying a single mother. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I think I don't think we've had anything like that in any of the shows that we've watched for for, yeah, for uh, Daybok, mm-hmm. but being able to see that side and the way the show portrays her as almost an outcast because definitely an outcast. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely an outcast. I, I was trying to be light, but the, the you know the women don't trust her because she's like a single woman. It, it kind of carries that stigma that we would see back in the day. Of single women. This is something that would mm-hmm. carry a stigma around like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. huh, this woman over here with a kid, you know, can't keep a man, you know, mm-hmm. and they had like these ideas about her like, oh, she might right. sleep with your man. And right. th- it's carried over here. Yeah, I feel like this. Uh, what is it? Prejudice is about 50 years old. Yes. Maybe more. Maybe more. West. Yeah. No. Um, a great example that I can think of is uh, talking about a show. um, for those who have watched Mad Men, uh, there is a particular character in the first season that she's a single mother and all the other women who are happily married, have kids, 
are always talking crap about her mm-hmm. behind her back. And it's like, oh, did you see her? She was like walking on the street. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, where was she going? And it's like, mm-hmm. she had a job. She she didn't have a car, <laughs> so she had to walk to work. So, But they're always talking crap because they like they don't trust her around the yeah. men or anything. They feel intimidated. They feel her. intimidated about yeah. a single woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But the thing is that being having that lifestyle of being a single mom is not something easy. And I'm glad that the show, you know, actually, sh- you know, cast a light on it, especially mm-hmm. in a show that is supposed to be about a romantic interest, about love, about two people falling together. We mm-hmm. don't see that in most media where, hey, let's give the single mom like a, a spotlight to mm-hmm. really shine to, you know, it doesn't matter that she has a kid. Like, he is in it and wants to be part of her life. Right. And, it's super refreshing. And also wants the kid to wants to be in the kid's life as well. Right. So that I found very, very refreshing. Uh, so I think a lot of the characters around the show are fun. They're fun characters. Um, there's this lawyer character that I'm trying to remember is. Oh, yeah. yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Like big ego and everything. And. I don't know if it's his wife, but like they, they had okay, some. Okay, so yeah, Kyute is yeah. the guy. Yes. And he's like the town fool. I don't yeah, know what else town. to call him. Yeah, I don't know what else to call him either. And his wife is a hotshot divorce lawyer. Right. She's the <laughs> lawyer and, you know, he's like the like town fool. But I, I like their dynamic. It's funny. Yeah. Like it, it's a lightheartedness that I really enjoy in the show. And that's what I like throughout the show is the lightheartedness mm. throughout. I feel a now, butt coming. I, and you are right about this, but I don't understand why there has to be a serial killer arc in this show. I don't get it. I, I see what you're, what you're saying. And I, I back you, even though I don't feel as strongly as you do. It's like, what does the criminal like aspect of the show and the like, investigation have to do really with like these complex family and relationship dynamics right exactly like which is what i'm here for (laughs) no it 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 just does not make sense to me how a lot of these shows just (laughs) hey we're gonna be a rom-com but we're also gonna be a thriller and we're also going to like you can't be all things at once. Right, you know? right. The crossing of genres or the oh. mixing of genres. One is minute really you're, giving like, you you're, you're scared whiplash. for the character. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then the very next moment, it's like this goofy thing that happens. And it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going on? That is the one thing that I still cannot wrap my head around with most K-dramas is that they are infusing so many different genres at the same time that, yeah. you know, it's like trying to cater to anyone who's watching pretty much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it just sometimes doesn't feel cohesive there's and like this not case, a lot doesn't. of movies that do that in the west no or and shows. i'm talking about movies specifically because we come from always great right. movie podcast so we're constantly watching movies but i don't remember the last time i saw a tv show with a single mother maybe what jane the virgin yeah but but that had its tone the, yeah 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 throughout. but that was a playful Light, right com- comedy, comedy yeah that could have its emotional moments here and there but it's not something where it's just like hey in this moment you know you're feeling really sad 
And then in the very next moment, oh my God, some killer's chasing her. And then in the very next moment, it's like, oh my God, her water broke. Whoa. <laughs> like, it's not like crazy like that, you know? Yeah. So you so, had a problem with the serial killer subplot. I just don't know if it brings anything that is substantial for the show. Okay. That's well, maybe. Thing. Okay. So we can talk about it because I think I have a couple of notes that might change your mind but maybe not i don't we'll know because you seem pretty adamant about it <laughs> <laughs> um i honestly didn't gather my thoughts enough to say whether or not i liked the show like i i kind of finished it and was like okay it's done okay and almost just wanted to put it in my rear view oh okay so i was like those- okay that's done and like move on it wasn't a lingering feeling after i finished the show which is what i want Right. Like I want to be a little bit heartbroken that the show is over. You you want to be able to chew on the fact like, oh, damn, there's not another episode I can jump into. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I know that feeling. So it's a little bit tough. It falls pretty much right dead center for like a very good show, but not like the best show I've ever seen. Right. Exactly. I don't think it was binge worthy at all. No, and like I wasn't like I gotta watch the next episode. No, like I'm, it's not. No. It, this is this is definitely a slow burn, and I can even tell you from my own personal experience that I watched it over time. Like mm-hmm. I watched it over a series of couple weeks. Like mm-hmm. I took my time through it, and it's not just because like my time is kind of limited anyway, but more like okay, I watched it. And like you said, there was no sense of urgency like, oh, my God, I got to watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Like w- one of the shows that I think I can say that for that I actually had a sense of that was Signal when when we watched Signal last year. <laughs> yeah. I know I keep bringing it back. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those shows where I thought, oh, I'm actually interested in right. just pressing play on the next episode. Mm-hmm. So this one didn't really sense that. And that's not always a bad thing. Because I think that with a show like this, this is, for me at least, for the most part, it's an easy, breezy type of show. Yes. You know? Yes, I agree. You're you're just having a delightful time Mm -hmm. with, you know, characters that you enjoy. Eventually, you want to see them get together. Right. Um, You enjoy the eccentricities of what the plot is providing you. Mm -hmm. But overall, you know, it's... It's not something like Game of Thrones, you know, where you're just like, oh, <laughs> again, Game you know, hey, like- I got to I got to watch the next episode like right now. You know, uh-huh. it's yeah. not like that. You know, yeah, it's, it's a simple, nice comedy that you're like, that was cool. And then you do something <laughs> and then you realize, oh, I should probably watch the next episode. That's exactly the the vibe of this show. Um, I feel like it was more like a meat and potatoes kind of show, not like of. Five course meal at a oh, fancy restaurant okay. kind of show where you're like thinking about the meal after you've had it and you're like, wow, this is so good. You know? Oh, that that's a good way of uh, describing it. Me and potatoes is just like your normal Tuesday night. Yeah, like, like really meal. good, very good, very delicious. Right, no issues. But then, but it's not like you're, you're like, gonna be talking about this. Yeah, meal. right. Exactly. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. I, that I I like that. That that's a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um. So, were there any? parts that stood out to you that were really good or parts that stood out to you that were really bad besides the the serial killer plotline um so i think that 
nothing really stood out too bad. Nothing, that's one thing that I will give the show. Okay. That outside of the serial killer plot, like it didn't dip into the bad barely ever. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of things that like just caught my eye or just like mm-hmm. I remember, like it, uh, our main character, why do I keep forgetting his name? But it's a uh, oh, Young Sook. Yeah, Young, young Sook. Like, young Sick, I think. Young Sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, S-I-K. Sorry. So Young Sick, the fact that like early on, like he has like this rage against injustice. Yes. And like he he's constantly like <laughs> getting montage. into trouble, but he's like doing the right thing. He's like, yeah, this person's, you know, helpless and I'm helping them. But, yeah. you know, he's getting in trouble for it. You know, like things like that. Uh, one moment for some reason, like stuck in my head and it's... um. I can't remember the guy, but the guy grabs uh, Bong Dek, right? <laughs> Dongbek. Dongbek. Oh, I'm so sorry. Dongbek <laughs> grabs her yeah, by yeah. like the hand. And then uh, Yongsik comes out of nowhere and like flies through the air and kicks him. Do, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like. <laughs> What the hell just happened? This he it, just went airborne. He went what? airborne <laughs> randomly to kick this guy. It, it was it was out of place. It almost felt like. But yeah, it, someone it, should do a super cut of like K drama moments where they mm. just go airborne and kick somebody in the chest, like flat out, like a video game. Because it turns into a video game or like an action <laughs> it's like movie. Wild, yeah. Out of nowhere, out of yeah, nowhere, yeah. it happens. So that's something that you know I remember. There's moments that I just think in my head like, oh, that was memorable. Like when he when he stops the reporter because the reporter is super insistent and, mm. you know, like the reporter is like, you you can't censor media. Blah, blah. And he was like, no, she, you stop it. Yeah. And, and yeah. if anyone bothers her, I'll kill them. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, Ooh, this guy's a little, a little too much. Um, Bag I love down. the passion. Love yeah. the passion, but it's a little over the top, just a tad bit. Uh, so <laughs> those like are that. things that just like they're kind of silly, mm-hmm. but I find them fun in this show. Yeah. So it's it's stuff like that. Like I wouldn't say that there's super memorable like plot lines or anything. Right, right, right. But there are moments that kind of stick out on the mm-hmm. show. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm uh, most likely getting to with my with my assessment of the show. For me, I would say that a lot of the dialogue sticks out to me as being very emotional okay. and profound. And I I'll get into some of that in the spoilers because I wrote some. I had to write them down, otherwise I'd forget them. Um, what I like about the show as well is the deeper meaning, and we can talk about that as well. Um, and the themes associated with the show. It's talking about a matriarchy, a matriarchal society out in this like seaside town that's like not close to Seoul at all, like the metropolitan area. These are police officers, but these are not the cool suave detectives from Signal. These are really jokey, hokey looking dweebs. Patrolmen. Patrolmen in a local precinct. This is not like Seoul area this is not a big city. You know, this is small town. So I like that as well. Um, I like their meet cute, which is not a theme, but it's just something to know. And we can talk about it in spoilers. Um, there's stuff like 
what is motherhood? There's a theme of abandonment major running through the show. Yes. Talking about childhood trauma. And again, like single mothers, which is really just a huge part of the show and what it wants to kind of say and also convict, I would say, the audience. Because it might not be convicting for us as a Western audience, but I feel like it's definitely trying to convict the Korean audience. I think we kind of forget sometimes that Korea is a very small country compared to the United States, which is a massive country. And it's homogenous over there. Like Koreans just know Koreans. They grow up with Koreans. And there's not a lot of foreigners. I don't think that the average Korean goes out of the way to learn a different language fluently. Or if they meet foreigners are very comfortable with like holding a conversation with a foreigner in not Korean. And that kind of shows through in this show with the concept of small mindedness and bigotry where this small community, it's not even Seoul, it's not even a huge city, it's a small town, and they are weary of outsiders, which just ends up being a very good thing, a charming thing about the town, but they're also extremely judgmental, you know? Yeah. They don't have a lot of empathy toward no, they don't. what Dongbek is going through, and they can't put themselves in her position and back off from what they're saying. And that close-mindedness yeah. is what leads to the good tension of the show because the show does need tension. Mm. You do need a reason for our protagonist to somewhat struggle in in because if you know she's just warmly received, you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of takes out the tension as to what she's going through mm-hmm. as a single mother. So I think it's necessary to have that mm. and. I think one thing, maybe we could save it for spoilers, but it's the way the women of the show react to her late on, late Mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. the show. Right. Um, But we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, we could talk about that in spoilers. The last thing we'll say before we get into spoilers is that Dongbaek, I had a feeling that it translated into something, and Mm. it did. It translates into Camellia. Of course it does. Her name means Camellia in Korean. That makes and sense. they talked briefly about the language of flowers in the show. So I was like, let me look up what Camellia means in the language of flowers. And that means, Camellia means, or it symbolizes love, devotion, affection, and admiration. Right. Which are all things, all that, the show things that the show explores. Yes. Yes, it does. And depicts. So I really think that we kind of missed <laughs> This sort of thing, <laughs> like when we're just watching, we're like, oh, yeah, chameleon. Blah, blah, blah. But right. But this there's is a like, reason. Yeah, there's a reason for it. And it feels very poetic. And the show has so much deeper meaning than just like a rogue serial killer. <laughs> it's like haunting our main girl. So without further ado, I think we can get into spoilers. Did you have a soju bottle um, ranking? Yes. Or rating? I did. So for my soju bottle, soju bottle ranking, uh-huh. I gave it three and a half soju bottles. Oh my God, that's high. That's high. That's that high, high for you. Okay. Yeah, so that puts it, I don't have my official ranking of all the right, shows right, that right. we watched, yeah. but it puts it high among the shows that we have watched. Very so. nice. Okay. I also gave it a three and a half out of there five soju go. bottles. Yeah. Look at that. Very nice. All right. 
So we're going to get into spoilers for When the Camellia Blooms right after this. Hey, you want to come in? All right. So we're in the spoiler section for When the Camellia Blooms. And if you haven't seen the show, prepare to be spoiled right now. All right, so let's talk about the matriarchy really fast of Ongsan, which is the name of this small seaside town. Right. Um, which what's funny about the town is that its two claims to fame are its marinated crab. Yes. And the serial murders, which took place <laughs> in the town. And that's pretty much the only reason why it's on the map for people. I find that hysterical. Crabs and it's murder. Like two like completely different reasons why people are interested in the town and it's, um it's insane i know the whole show is really showcasing that it's a highly matriarchal society all the males in the town feel emasculated and secondary they don't run the restaurants they don't inherit the businesses they only help their wives and their sisters with whatever they're doing whether it's the marinated crab or the rice cake business or what have you right and Part of the reason why the bar became so popular is because it is, they call it neutral territory. Nobody has a family member or some sort of connection at the bar so they can like escape their lives and like go drinking at the bar with their guy friends and like it's chill. I find that hysterical as well because it's it's really funny. It plays into why they are so against her and rail against her because all they see is like their husbands, their brothers, their uncles and all these people just like flocking to her bar. And why? Like it's a shitty bar, has no windows. She only serves like a few dishes. Like what's the deal? So they're like, oh, it's her. She has she has to be the reason they're going there. And it's as simple as. I need to get away from you. Yes. I need a couple of hours to myself. (laughs) It's as simple as that. And sometimes people like. And I completely understand. I completely empathize. I sympathize with the men that are just like going to the bar. They need their own time. They need their alone time. They need a chance to just get hammered like away from their uh nagging wives and and sisters and whoever else like i'm not i'm not saying that their lives aren't great or what have you or that they um have a a valid reason for feeling emasculated like that's on them like they have their own issues and complexes whatever on that but let them live a little bit like uh, by themselves like everybody needs their their everyone, time. Everyone needs their alone time. I need it. You I mean, need it. There's a you reason. listening. You need your alone time. You need your chance. You want to get drunk? Go get drunk. Like whatever. Don't drive. Don't drive though. Don't drive. Right, drive. No, no. That, but you know what I'm saying for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, like there's always these funny stories of people, especially husbands. It's like, <laughs> why do you take so long in the bathroom? And it's because that's my alone time. <laughs> Like, I need to be away. There's a lock on the door. <laughs> exactly. There's a lock on the door. You can't bother me. So I can appreciate, like, that yeah. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it, at the same time, so this this town is kind of run by women. Yeah. But they're like so 
against the fact that this one particular place is run by a woman. They have no control over the bar. Exactly. And that bothers them too. That bothers them too because it's not within the family. I'm using mm-hmm. the family as people Yeah, because they, know. they are like a gang, like a a mafia, a mafia, female mafia. Heads of the mafia and stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the fact that there's one spot that's not theirs at all. Yeah. And is overtaken by an outsider. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they feel threatened because their husbands are going there. Yeah. Like, I understand how that can I understand mix both sides. A, yeah, I can understand both sides. But I can understand yeah. how that turns into a bit of a chemical reaction yes. as a bomb, you know, it's like it's about to explode. So I, I Absolutely. Get it. Yeah. So let's talk about the meat cute. So the meat cute is he sees he returns to his hometown after getting it was like a political, not a political a PR nightmare that he, what did he do? He slapped or hit a suspect that was like in custody. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Not, not great. My friend in front of cameras, in front of reporters. And they were like, you're being transferred to Ongsan. <laughs> like you're done. <laughs> so he makes it back to his hometown and he's talking about how the girls in Seoul aren't the same. He doesn't understand like why he's like dating around and like, it's not really working for him. And he's like, I just want like a Diana referring to like Princess Diana. <laughs> yeah, because that should be the goal for everyone. He wants this like vibe, right? Like the Princess Diana vibe. <laughs> uh, Which I mean, again, like coming aim high, aim right? high. <laughs> like shoot your shot so what's funny is that like he's also a country bumpkin and you know barely became a police officer he really was given the police officer title because he was like a vigilante he was like he was a terrible vigilante he was exacting vigilante he kept getting caught he was exacting vigilante justice in the streets like in his downtime in his downtime when <laughs> yeah in between all oh. these part-time jobs and stuff so he's back in town and he actually he sees her in a bookstore and he's smitten with her immediately it's love at first sight and she th- you get to hear both of what they're thinking I and love she what thinks she he's a pervert yes <laughs> because yes. it keeps looking at her exactly i did appreciate that she was reading i don't know if it was a manga or whatever of harry potter Oh, yeah. She was reading something in English and he was and he had said, I I would like her to read in English or like he was lamenting the fact that he cannot read English and thus cannot read Western criminology books. Right. Because of and course. so he was like, oh, my gosh, she's reading in English. And that like attracted her. To yeah. Him. And then like <laughs> when they showed the text, it it's Harry Potter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, did you get a kick out of the fact that the serial killer was named Joker? I, I mean, come on. I mean, it's so on the nose. It is so Homie. on the nose what they're doing. Homie. <laughs> You've got a freak vigilante and the, the serial killer's name is Joker. Gee, I wonder what their inspiration is. We can't even say much because there was that photo of Michael uh, Keaton in his bat right. costume in Signal. That's true. What is it? it like, is there someone was the no, the writer of this wasn't the writer of Signal. So no, <laughs> maybe there's just a huge appreciation of the 1989 movie Batman with Michael Keaton <laughs> and Jack Nicholson. Maybe there is. Maybe that's maybe. what it is. 
you're right. There could be a, like a thing, like a subtle thing running through the K-drama writer circles where it's just like, you got to put in a Batman reference in your show. It's all period. It's basically <laughs> all those writers were growing up with Michael Keaton Batman. You're right. So That's they grew up and all of that a sudden it's just like, oh, I'm a writer. I'm going to write a vigilante. Bam. <laughs> and then so on the nose, the guy, the serial killer, Joker. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. too much. Did you think, because they hint at a murder in the very first episode and Youngstick is like devastated in all of these like flashbacks that they keep showing throughout. Did you think that it was Dongbak that was killed? I never thought that she was. No, I never thought it was going to be her being killed. But I did think that because of his reaction and how he felt, Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to get some type of reveal that maybe it was someone truly close to him or something Uh like that. But I just just (laughs) never did anything. It's just just, he was sad about uh, it. Yeah, like he, I guess rea- he said that he couldn't stop it. Maybe. That's and probably again, what like it is. It, I would be pretty devastated if I saw like a waterlogged body like that of a person that I knew. Right. At least he knew know. that person, yeah. Yeah. So um, I can understand that. It's okay. just that it's it's a little <laughs> it's a little strange to like hint at there being something more. Mm. And then it turns out mm, there's not really. Anything well, else. it's like the editing makes you think that it's her and yes. that at least at the very least he's devastated because it is her. Right. But it's not no, even. It's not no, even it's that. Not it was uh, Hyungmi who was the part timer that worked with Dongbaek at the bar. And Hyungmi had her own whole friggin' story that I'm not sure if you want to get into at all. Yeah. I mean, maybe like the, you know, just the, the, the themes clip one, clip we can talk about later. Um, but they kept teasing that it was Dongbaek and that was kind of annoying to me. Um, I have in my notes here in episode 11, in all caps, it's the camera installer. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. So there's 20 episodes. Yes. And here in episode 11, just over the I mark. say it's the camera installer. It's the camera installer. Okay. Which it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, okay, okay, okay. It was the camera installer. Because yeah. they have to show who it is sometimes. They have to show, show who it is. And I thought the show was going to lose so many points with me if it doesn't do that. If it do, if it's like some rando that was there or like someone that we didn't spend time with. Right. That's, that's a sin in my eyes to a show if, mm-hmm. if they do something like that where... They're teasing a killer. They're teasing someone. It has to be someone we know as an audience member. And mm-hmm. then they decide to like just left turn and, mm-hmm. oh, this is someone you've never met. And it's like, that's not fun. In terms of, well, so yeah. So I thought it was a camera installer. I don't know the guy's name, but don't, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I think the show also made a point of uh, trying to bring up nature versus nurture because the dad who tried to take the blame and become Joker, right? he was basically like a busy dad working, neglected to properly raise his own child and like accidentally created a serial killer. <laughs> so um, he was basically saying, I don't know what if I had done anything differently, if he would have not turned out the way that he turned out. And I like that it kind of calls back also to Dongbeck's baby daddy, like foolishly thinking that children sort of just raise themselves. 
That like, doesn't make any sense. When Pilgo goes to Seoul and lives with his dad for like a hot minute. Yeah. He's like, how much do you need for like an allowance? He like doesn't understand like what he would buy, when he would buy it, how much it costs and didn't really look into anything having to do with his school and never confirmed that he was like getting lunch from the school and signing up for like the lunch program. He was like completely just like, okay, you deal with it. An absent-minded father. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they're the same. To me, they're the same. Like the dad who was like, I'm Joker and he wasn't. And Pilgo's dad, the baby daddy, are kind of coming from the same, you know, general vicinity. Where okay. they're like, I didn't think that it would, you know, what could go wrong? <laughs> right. And like everything went wrong. <laughs> for, everything. for one of them. Yeah, yeah. For one of them, at least. Yeah, yeah. for one of them. Um, I don't think I necessarily sympathize with or empathize with the dad who took the blame for the son. No, not really. Like he was like out here trying to commit suicide to get his serial killer son to stop killing people. No, that that's and not I'm a, like, where are you getting this? That's from? not a good way of trying to stop. If anything, like the serial killer has to pay for his crimes, not mm-hmm. not have someone try to take the blame or try to take the heat off of them, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And the no, whole not, reason for him killing was he had like an inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. So people that just slighted him Again. were on the chopping block. <laughs> right. So here's a funny quote that my my brother, Miguel, who has been a guest on Always the Critic. Uh, oh, no. He was also for Squid Game. That's right. He was. Yeah, uh, he was on our special episode. Check him out. He was on the Squid Game episode. Um he often says this whenever he sees like something like like this where someone may have an inferiority complex and then they take it out in a violent way or whatever and then he'll just be like see this is why i don't root for the underdog (laughs) yeah because there's always this thing of like they they belittle me and they have like this view of the world of like I am not being treated fairly, so mm. then I am going to take my revenge is how they would view it. So, yeah, I I don't find any type of empathy in that or sympathy mm-hmm. in that, just because like there's so many other ways to be able to, you know, let out those emotions uh, of of an inferiority complex. Like there's <laughs> right. other ways to do it, but mm-hmm. no, nah, let let's go. Healthier ways to cope than just killing people. Killing people, yeah. Yeah. No, it's terrible. The show seemed to say, like, you can't change who your parents are, whether it's a single mother, a widow, a serial killer. And then, like, the amendment to that is you can't change who your children are either. Mm. That is true. once they're done cooking, that's it. That's it. That's it. (laughs) That's who they are. Yeah, like, you can't really, you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. That doesn't want to help themselves. Mm -hmm. Very good point. I like when Dongbek got the satisfaction of actually hitting him over the head with the beer glass. And with it was telling me his beer gas yes. beer glass as well. Yes, so it was it like was. meaningful. And she like publicly humiliates him. It's like what he doesn't want, right? He doesn't want to be humiliated humiliated in any small way. No. And she's like cursing him out, repeating his own words back to him. She's like, Don't be a joke. You stop being a joke and like cussing up. I love that part. And then I also love when the whole community like hears, like the alleyway hears and the ajumas like come out from nowhere like with pitchforks and shit and then like, <laughs> the 
the cop is like, the problem with the alley isn't that the car can't go in there. You have to protect the Joker from like the Ajimans. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so this is what I wanted to slightly bring up, not not to go too much of a tangent, but the Ajumans feel like they come to the defense a, so late in the game. Like, I yeah. feel like the show should have started like that session of healing between like the Ajumans and our main character a little sooner, so that way. When when we do get that moment, it's a moment of yes, break like you know a full breakthrough. Like I see what you're saying is you that know? it kind of feels like they did a 180 a little too late in the process of she's being hounded by a serial killer who could offer at any time and is watching her. Yes, constantly. Exactly. And they were just kind of like, wow, that sucks. And then all of a sudden it kind of hits them that like she's actually in danger and maybe we should like rally. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so I feel like it comes a little too late. You're right. I, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my tangent mm -hmm. for yeah. that. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's a little bit much. Um, I want to go to Yongsik and his like courtship of Dongbek because. OK. I have mixed feelings about it. Um. He basically just follows her around. It's it's a little weird. Which is really creepy. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's the best way. And like constantly expressing his feelings. Right. Because he's constantly saying like, I think it's like very early on. He like just mentioned like blurts out, you know, I love you. Like, mm -hmm. He just blurts it out mm -hmm. and it catches her by surprise and. You know, there's no real buildup to that. Like mm -hmm. we get a buildup to to their kiss, obviously mm -hmm. their first kiss. But but the buildup of like the actual courtship isn't there because it feels so stop start. Mm. It feels like there's no momentum that's building as it goes on. Right. You know, you want it to be like, OK, they they may not like each other right away. And then all of a sudden they start liking flirting. Uh, yeah. He like liked her immediately. And then it took Love a while for her for to her. kind of reciprocate and not just reciprocate, but also pull the trigger on the relationship and say, yeah, let's start dating. Right. Because there was all of this red tape around young stick and his mom being a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> what a weird thing to delay a rom a romance in the, yeah. in the story. It's, yeah, it's pretty random to the me. The hypocrisy of the mom is another thing that I couldn't quite wrap my head around. Is because she grew up, um, not grew up. She raised young stick basically on her own without her husband, who had passed away already. Mm -hmm. From a fire, he like caught fire and like burned to death. It was like really traumatic. And she opened her restaurant and like raised her kids on her own. Like she's a badass woman. She keeps saying like, who's the boss of Ong Sang? And it's her. She is really a force in the town. Right. Yeah. And she affects change. She is the one that's really supporting Dong Bak the whole time she's there for like six years before like Yong Sik ever got on the scene. And then all of a sudden her son shows interest in this girl and she knows the mom knows intimately all her issues, all the problems that she's facing. And now all of a sudden she is siding with the general prejudice, right. the Ajimas that are in the town and is like, 
no, I don't want my son to date a single mother, a person that has a son who's a, a basically the child is seen as a burden and she doesn't want him to get caught up in the drama of raising somebody else's kid. Which again, pure crap because that's what, what? she was. She was that's a single what mother. She was. Right. <laughs> now, maybe the circumstances are different on how they became single mothers, but right. that still shouldn't change the fact that like you are basically stating that, hey, the way I raised you was wrong, being alone, being a single mother. So, uh, you know, what I did yeah. was not the right thing, and so you, you see, shouldn't like, be. You see all of her struggles in a couple of flashbacks that are actually pretty poignant, and you're just like, how could she possibly be doing the same thing to Dongbek? And... Here is probably what she's thinking is that I want better for Mm -hmm. my son. Mm -hmm. And in her eyes, Mm -hmm. being single because she went through it, being a single mother. Yeah. Was so tough for the child and for her that being with a single child or, you know, a single mother, she knows the how tough it can be uh, like to have a child that belongs to another man. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. you know, belongs, but, you know, is the son of another man. Mm-hmm. And so they they have that as another thing of an impediment inside of a relationship or, you know, or, or at least an obstacle in some way. And so in her mm-hmm. eyes, mm-hmm. because it's antiquated, she's thinking that is a tough life to have mm. to try to be with someone who's already had a child with someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to be in a what I view and this is the mother of course, what I view as an ideal relationship. Mm-hmm. A nice young girl who you can marry and have your own kid with and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. probably the thinking, but it's it's an antiquated thought. Mm-hmm. So two things. One is I feel like we're kind of missing the boat with the social class system in Korea. Is ah, that okay. like marries like in Korea? Oh, okay. And that's not so, something we really have over here in the States. No, we're like, we don't. Lawyers marry lawyers. Doctors marry doctors. And a janitor is not going to marry, you know, a, a, a child surgeon. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got somebody you. with higher education. Somebody with a very cushy good job and that's not something that we really can relate with here in the states where people have all kinds of dominant doesn't matter i think that um oh you got something to say i have a slight thought i have a slight thought i'm not saying that our our system is like that at all but i will say that i think that here on the western side we do kind of find fall into trappings a bit of Mm. um you know, I want to date a person of certain status. Yeah, or I would say. I, I want to get married to someone who has this either mm-hmm. status or this type of job or mm-hmm. who makes this amount of money. Like, right. we do fall into those trappings, although we as Americans, you and I, we have seen our fair share of, you know, relationships where one is like a super breadwinner and the other one is, you know, a stay-at-home person. It could be a mom Mm -hmm. or a dad. So we've seen our fair share. So it's not quite the same where, like, they kind of stay in their class. But I think that a lot of people here on the Western side do aspire to date or marry into a certain level of person. Yes, exactly. 
I would agree with that. And that was going to be my second point was that I kind of get where the mom is coming from when it comes to kind of changing the the reason for the hate, you know, like let's say that she grew up poor, but now she's better off and her son wants to marry someone who's like dirt poor. I think that I would also be really hesitant and kind of be like, are you sure? Because like I did all this for you. I like worked all of this time and like broke my back trying to create a better life for you and give you everything that I didn't have growing up. And now you want to marry down. Right. In her eyes, it's marrying down. She feels like it's marrying down. Like if you change it and put it like in money terms. Right. She's, uh, you know, he'd be marrying down. Right. So I understand. Even though we don't feel like single mothers are necessarily marrying down. Like if you get with somebody who's a single parent. So no, exactly. But I could understand how they would view it as that Mm -hmm. because she worked her way. What she thought was a bad situation. She worked out of it. I don't want that for you. Yeah, exactly. So, so right along those, I don't like it, but if I kind of change it a little bit, I can understand it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they have a great conversation, Dongbek and Youngstick, uh, in front of the train station in a very early episode. And, you know, he basically begs to know like what her dream is, why she comes to the train station to gas up, quote unquote. And she says she wants to work at the lost and found center. Here's the quote. Here's the quote. She says, because people always say something to you whenever you find something for them. They say, thank you. They always say, thank you. Throughout my life, I've always had people apologize to me and people say, I love you very easily. But for some reason, no one ever thanks me. Oof. Are you joking? What a a line of dialogue. Oh my gosh. That is a line of dialogue. I just, I was stunned. I had to like pause. I was like, I got to think through that. Like I got to just sit in this moment because what a thing to say that you've, you know, you've had people say like, I love you and had passing, um, you know, fancies and been the subject of so much ridicule and hate for no reason. And you feel like you're not um, important, that you're not worthy of being thanked. And, you know, the fact that she's like, I just want to do something small for people that will make them thank me. Like, I've never heard that. And to think that in that moment when they are thanking her, if she were to be working there, they're thanking the fact that it was found. And she's she's looking for almost like a validation, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that I'm doing something important for people. Yes, that's and exactly it's, it. It's kind of heartbreaking because yeah. you, you're thinking, oh, come on, like people have thanked you, but I guess in a life where you are viewed in yeah. such a negative way. And I put that in quotations uh, by people because you're a single mother. Right. I can understand you looking for validation in something or just being recognized, I guess mm. is the better term. Yeah. Um, I found it very moving to me. Um, and he's such a like, uh, uh, battering ram of a person like he's like if you hate me i will hate you back and he suggests <laughs> that he should she should just be rude back to the people who are rude to her and she says no nah, i'll just ignore them 
And the quote is, it doesn't cost money to be nice. We should be nice to each other. Yes. <laughs> I can totally follow that for sure. I like the fact, I actually, I really appreciate the fact that she had such a harsh upbringing, was abandoned as a child, grew up an orphan, almost got adopted, then got sent back to the orphanage, you know, grew up alone, had a child out of wedlock, moved to a town. She didn't know anybody, raised her kid. And she is still so nice and so thoughtful and just so righteous, you know? And it kind of leads to that question that you were asking earlier about nature versus nurture, Mm -hmm. where, you know, how how does a person become who they are? Mm. Is it through how they are born, how they are, you know, how they come into this world or is it by the circumstances that bring them up? Mm-hmm. You know, two people can have the same exact upbringing, but they come at it different ways. Is that something mm-hmm. that that is innate in you or is that something that you learn as a process by mm-hmm. getting people to show you the way, you know? So it, it's an interesting thing to view someone who has that sense of abandonment. Mm. Uh, from a they know pain they know pain they know what it but is but they won't lash out right they and won't hurt lash out. other people yeah right as opposed to the joker character who you know feels like he is you know you know he has a mentality that people are kind of viewing him lesser than mm-hmm. but he takes his anger out like he doesn't he does it in a different way and on that note, the other character that they directly juxtapose against Dongbek is Hyangmi, the the part-timer who actually they met as children and they have pretty similar upbringings. And um, what happened to Hyangmi is that she kind of got put into the system in terms of like the underground system. Like I think she was in the red light district or something. Uh, I don't, yeah. don't want to say red light district, but she was but- definitely at one of the bars that people in Korea associate as like having uh, female hostesses Hmm. or uh, and or prostitutes. Right. Escorts. Escorts. And that is looked down upon. And that's why when they're like the the other level of, oh, she's opening a bar, like what is she doing? Is that they think it's a hostess bar. Ah, yeah. You know, that's something I would have with. Yes. Yes. And that's why whenever they're like, oh, come have a drink with us, whatever. And they're like, basically, they're already drunk, but then they're like, please come have a drink with us. And she always puts her foot down and says no. And she tells Hyungmi, don't have drinks with the patrons because that's not this kind of bar. Right. That's what she said. So she's trying to carve out like a, a she's trying to redefine what a bar is, which is kind of like our definition of bar here in the West anyway. Right. Because here, for the most part, uh, bars here mm-hmm. are treated as such. They're like, you go, you have a drink and yeah, you know, pub, it's like a pub, like pub food and right. bar food, bar food. Yeah. Maybe there's music mm-hmm. they're playing, you know, maybe there's pool or whatever, but that that's what we treat here in Western society on this side as a bar. And if she uh, owned a bar in the States, no one would think no twice one, about it. No one would think twice about it. Actually, there was a a failed sitcom that was on, I think it was on NBC, about a woman who owned a bar. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It, it was like in the backyard, but like she made a bar or something. But it was a failed <laughs> sitcom. It lasted like seven episodes. But yeah, so here it's treated differently than mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we. I think it's probably more associated with something like an adult lounge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe even like a gentleman's club. Yeah, is probably yeah. the way they would associate. Yeah, that's closer to like about. the bar that people are thinking of, thinking that she runs. That she runs. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes her lesser automatically in people's eyes as well. Right. I get anyway, Hyang Mi ends up becoming like a prostitute. She has like a pimp come after her at one point. She's trying to desperately gather money to send to her terrible brother in Copenhagen and she's trying to like get out of the country she owes money left and right she's in debt she's paying for a hospital bill for a grandma we've never seen before like she is extorting money from like people all over town especially um cute the the town fool or whatever she's like an issue (laughs) Mm -hmm. and At the end of the day, you kind of feel bad for her, too, because she had the same exact upbringing and she's constantly like torn between what she should do and what she shouldn't do, like what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, she is. So it's tough. And then she dies like right when she was kind of like turning over a new leaf and like didn't flee the country. She came back to Camellia and it was awful. Terrible. Terrible. Mm hmm. Um, there was a funny moment in episode three where Dongbek rejects Youngsik and mm-hmm. she tells him like what her style is. So like when they say like style, it just means my type. Right. My type. Okay. And she goes, oh, her style is, is Gongyu. And she she says the name of a real celebrity like Gongyu. <laughs> and they immediately start playing the OST from Goblin. Oh, my God. Do you know? So we haven't covered no. Goblin, right? That's going to be a later episode in season two, actually. Spoiler alert. But I was dying of laughter because he like holds his heart like he's so offended because he's nowhere near going you. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> but That's they start so playing funny. the OSD from another famous like K-drama. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I guess the a good example would be like if you watch in like one of those teen dramas on the CW or something like, you know, my type is like James Vanderbeek, let's just say. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden. I don't want to wait. Stop it. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It would be something like that. Okay. I just want to like picture it in my head. (laughs) Um, So let's touch more on their romance because I felt what was strongest about it was that he essentially was, even though he was constantly like around her and pestering her and telling her how he felt, she was eating up everything that he was saying. Like she needed all of his constant love confessions yes and him saying that she's his pride that he's proud to show her off and be with her in public and that she's beautiful and that she deserves everything that she has and that she's an amazing businesswoman and she's a ceo in her own right and he's like really instilling all of this confidence into her things that she's never heard before things that she's never thought before and i I think that's so important to their relationship because she's out here so desperate for love and affection. She's starved for support that she's basically invested her life running a bar just from one side comment that her boyfriend slash baby daddy said half heartedly. He was like, oh, yeah, your food's so good. It goes so well with alcohol. 
she turns around and like creates a bar. <laughs> right. And so it just shows how, how what do I want to say? Not the word is not broken. But I will say how much she is needing of love. Mm-hmm. That this this man is showing her all the love that he can afford. Yes. All the yeah. love that he can give her. And I can understand her maybe being hesitant at the beginning because it's not something that she's used to. Mm-hmm. She's not used to ha- receiving this type of attention, affection, you know, declarations of love. But it it grows on her and she starts to understand mm-hmm. and appreciate that, yes, I can be loved like this. Mm-hmm. It's, he really, it's really nice. Yeah. And he really breaks down her barriers and shows her that she's worthy exactly of of love that her life is not embarrassing people are saying like aren't you embarrassed about this bar how you live like you you're so pitiful and he's like you're not pitiful at all no she's a successful businesswoman yes raising (laughs) a very lovely child yeah like yeah like it's It's so weird come on (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and it's really tough when you see like the flashbacks of her with the baby daddy and the baby daddy saying, oh, no, you shouldn't come with me to a wedding because I wouldn't know how to introduce you. Like our relationship is basically a secret. I'm embarrassed right. of you. Yeah, Which It sucks. was a hassle to put a label on their relationship. Yeah. That even sucks. though she lived with him. <laughs> yeah. Even worse. Even worse. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So it was, it was terrible. So I, I really like that aspect of their relationship and their budding feelings for each other um yeah i like when they get all emotional in the precinct like she goes with all of her receipts of uh sexual harassment (laughs) (laughs) she's got like a book she's got a book all the sexual harassment nonsense that's happened in her bar to her and she goes to save him because he like started a fight you know he got in trouble again for doing the right thing because of course Because, of course, and they like start crying, both of them in the precinct. Like, I also like that he's really in touch with his emotions and is like crying at the drop of a hat. Super, super in touch (laughs) with his emotions. And it's what leads to his rage because, you know, at a moment's notice, he can find injustice and be Mm -hmm. super mad about it. Like, right. You know, so and then at the same time, you know, he can see someone is you know, doing something for him and it mm-hmm. immediately triggers an emotion. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a man that knows who wears his heart on his sleeve. And I love that. I love it so much. Um, They have dumplings later that night. And this is when she kind of puts it to him like, OK, like, I like you. Maybe we should start dating. But she says that she doesn't want um. Well, she understands where she is in life. So she says, like, you know, I'm not young. I have a kid. I have responsibilities. And I don't want a love that's just goes out, burns out as fast as it's ignited. Right. And she compares it to what does a dumpling need to yes. be made? Oh, just my God. Just needs steam. Just needs a little steam to cook dumplings. So they, she was like, let's take it slow and have a warm romance. And I died. <laughs> I died. It was so cute. I was like, oh, my God, that's the best thing I've ever heard is that, to be honest, like a lot of the K-dramas that we watch have these fast romances that are like way more of the fast ignition that she's talking about. Right. Versus like this slow burn 
where they're like, he's just walking her home. He's helping her cook. He's like chopping onions with her and like being very just present. Yes. You know, versus like elaborate dates or dinners or what have you. Um, It reminded me a lot of the line from Juno, the movie. Oh, no. Go ahead. What line? It's from uh, uh, what's his name? The dad in Juno. Bateman. Jason no. Bateman. No. Oh. Um, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Because I'm thinking of like the surrogate family. Sorry. Oh, no, no. He says, in my opinion, the best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Good mood, bad mood, ugly, pretty, handsome, what have you. The right person will still think the shun signs out. The shun. Oh, my God. The, the sun. sun. <laughs> Let me say it over. The right person will think the sun shines out of your ass. That's the thing of a person that's worth sticking with. That's the kind of person that's worth sticking with. And Young Sick is exactly exactly that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly who he is. Mm -hmm. I like that she kind of like gets discouraged at some point. And she says that, you know, all men are the same. Of course, he'd be bothered by the baby daddy, like just coming in every so often and like wreaking a little bit of emotional havoc. And he stops and says, how many men have you dated? You haven't even tried me yet. (laughs) I'm different than all those guys. I'll make you so happy. (laughs) I think at one point, doesn't he declare that I'll never make you or your son cry? Oh my God. Yes. He does. He does declare that. (laughs) It feels like he's saying wedding vows throughout the whole show. You could make a compilation and make like a wedding vow speech just out of everything he said throughout the show. Mm -hmm. That being said, I feel like he does overstep his bounds when it comes to Pilgu, the son. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, So this is this is my opinion. If I was a single mother and I had an eight year old kid and I start dating this guy and I really like this guy, that guy still has zero say over how I raise my child. Correct. And I, I agree. So that's why yeah, every time he, he, he gets like flustered his- and like starts like on a little like tantrum, I'm like, no, baby, you got nothing. <laughs> this is not your fight. This is not your fight. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I feel like he has is interfering too much the whole time. I can understand that um, because I think that a a child. Or a parent. Especially when it comes to the relation, this new guy, like the baby daddy is is now back in my son's life for the first time. We're all navigating it for the first time. And you're like throwing tantrums over here because he keeps seeing it. He keeps wanting to see me, keeps wanting to see the son, doesn't know what's going on, is dealing with it. And like, relax. <laughs> right. I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I do feel like that should bear mentioning. Um, the abandonment from the mom. Mm. I don't know where to start here. So I think at the end of the day, I really feel like this Korean notion of like reconciliation is part of the reason why it ends on such a happy note. Like the mom who abandoned her daughter, the daughter gives her a kidney. Like there's like all of this stuff that happens in the final few episodes. Right. That is like so much forgiveness and like, I don't know. I don't know. 
What did you think of that? You know what it is that I think this show does a very good job of that theme of acceptance over time. Mm. Over time is the key part of that. Because acceptance is not something that we see right away from anything that we saw in that town or mm. even from the people. The only thing we're see- the only type of acceptance that we're seeing is Young Six's appreciation and love uh, for Dong Baek. But what we're not seeing is acceptance right away from people mm. against someone who's an outsider or or people who have been estranged. We don't see that, but it's over time that we start getting those reconciliations we get we start seeing those appreciations we start seeing characters understand each other and Mm -hmm. you know go to bat for one another you Mm -hmm. know so yeah i mean i i really like the fact that there was a reconciliation there because Mm -hmm. it's necessary you need to when you're making a show and a plot line is that an abandonment thing there has to be a reconciliation of some kind or else you kind of miss a very important thing on how to close a character's loop Mm. because if you never have that reconciliation it kind of feels like Chekhov's gun but it's emotional it's an emotional Chekhov's gun yeah yeah, it's like hey this person was abandoned by their mother you've already told us that they were abandoned by the mother and look how it affected them and now you have to bring it full circle Mm. the mother has to come into play into how she as a character will break through. Here's a caveat to that, or a catch-22, is that sometimes you get uh, entertainment and media where you have an abandonment plot line and then the whole reconciliation part is not a reconciliation. It is exactly what you think. It's like the worst nightmare scenario. They abandon you and they still don't care about you. Right. Yeah, that, that is that's And the movie one. that I'm thinking of in my head is Ad Astra. Oh, with Brad Pitt. Oh, yes. He goes all the way to Neptune. Goes all the way to Neptune to get to pick up his dad, who was like lost in the sea of space. And yeah, the dad really doesn't care about him. Yeah, his his mission in life, his purpose in life, was way more important than his son that he created on Earth. So and having to deal with that. See, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is the show, a movie, anything has to deal with it. You can't mm-hmm. just leave it hanging in the air. There yeah. has to be a confrontation of some kind, whether it's good or bad. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that the show did go through that and it it came out on the positive side. You mm-hmm. know, got a kidney out of it. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm glad that it actually tackled the moment because it had to tackle the moment because this is a huge character moment or character uh, trait of our main person. We need to understand why it happened, who caused it, Mm -hmm. and how we get through it. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. the show tackled it. Me too. Nice. There's a quote that I have to to wrap up this segment that we're talking about. Hyungmi says, we're abandoned, undereducated, poor, and have no connections. Our lives are already screwed, right? We were given the worst hand possible. So why try hard to live? And Dongbek says, you talk as if it's over. You have to live it to see the outcome. Mm, there we go. And I love that. Yeah, that is, that's like, so put great. Put that on a bumper sticker. Yes, you have I want to it on live a t-shirt. it to see the outcome. 
Yeah. It's not over till it's over. Exactly. Keep living. Keep Keep trying. Keep living. Keep doing. Yeah. Keep chopping. Yeah. Keep doing your thing. Yeah. Uh, Favorite scene for me is actually the baseball scene where uh, they all go to watch Pilgo play. Okay. Yeah. Yangmi, Dongbek, and the mom with, you know, dementia, but she didn't have dementia. Um, they all go see Pilgo play and the pitcher kid throws a ball right into his leg. There's a fight. The grandma's cursing up a storm. And then the friggin' C-list celebrity baseball player hits Pilgo on the head. Yes. I lo- I saw red. Like when he hit <laughs> I him, I was red. like, oh my God. <laughs> I saw red. I was like, it's on site. But then the drone save from Yongsik. Like he was the guy with the drone and he caught the whole thing and he came out and was like, yeah, this is my son. What of it? And he like claims him. He claims him as, as his, his own. Yes. Oh my God. Oh so yeah. So many the, emotions. In that was a great scene. scene. I know. That really was a great scene because we talked about the fact that you know, he's obviously so enamored with um, uh, Dong Beck, mm-hmm. right? But the fact that he is not only so attached to Don Peck, but also to the son as well. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has a lot of love to give and he is mm-hmm. willing to show it to, to people who are willing to accept it. Yes. That yeah, beautiful. That's, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So you want someone like this in your life, like someone in your corner, 100%. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You, yeah. you definitely want it. You definitely want it. Um, for me, uh-huh. best scenes, um, a little tough uh, because a lot of them kind of blend together as to where they happened, uh-huh. you know, in the show. But if, yeah, don't it, worry about like episode numbers. or No, no that's fine. So I think that one of my favorites, I think the first kiss is a good one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to not mention it. Yours is probably much more memorable and better than that one, actually. I just like it because, it. like, you know, the dads, the baby daddy's there, too. And he's, like, signing autographs and can't, like, get to the field in time to, like, you know, throw down. But he's there. Like, nobody asked Yongsik to be there. No. He went. He was like, I know I should be here. And you know what? Shit's probably going to go down. So I'm going to take my drone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and sure so enough. Good. Yeah, he's Things so happen. like, you know, it brings out his character as well. He's so righteous and and all for justice. And so he's like there. He's ready. Yeah, he's I think he he's in a, a constant great. state of readiness. Outside of the constantly following. Mm. Uh um <laughs> still a good guy. Yeah. And he's he's lovable even though sometimes like his his awkwardness and his goofiness sometimes can be good, like funny or like charming. But all, yeah. at, sometimes it could be like, ooh, eh, this seems a little awkward. Mm-hmm. But overall, he he's a very good guy. Yeah. In in for what Dong Beng Dong Beck needs. Yeah. Did you catch the cameo from the radish farmer, Jung Hae Jin from mm. Parasite as well? Was no, did so I they go this? they go to the countryside where there's yeah. like a radish field, yeah, and they're looking at like the damage because like the car crashed there. That's where Hyami went missing, and they're like, we need the footage of this camera that's up here. There's like a CCTV camera that somebody owns, 
and it ends up being belonging to the radish farmer and they were hinting at this radish farmer oh you got to go out and see so-and-so she's talking about some dogs who owns the dogs because her dog got pregnant with um a a neighbor's dog's you know puppies or whatever like who do the puppies belong to there was some sort of like neighborhood dispute you don't think anything of it then they go and you you have to meet the radish farmer that they've been like hinting at this whole time and it's actually a person of note right it's uh the mom from parasite she does like um she takes over as housekeeper yeah she's the one that takes so oh yes why did i i didn't catch that Yes, and 2021 was a very good year for her as well because she was in the Red Sleeve and she was in True Beauty, two pretty big shows from 2021. Uh, there you go. She's having yeah. a big come up. Jung Hae Jin. She's already been on the well, come yeah, up, but yeah, like yeah. this year was a good year for her. I like the twist that the mom saved Dong Baek from Joker. That was pretty good. She was like, oh, I'm going to you know try and actually contact her and she ends up saving her life because she has mommy senses. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow moms always consents when something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So in episode, first of all, episode 18, did you think that Pilgu was the narrator the whole time? I was shocked. No, I did not. I was shocked that the narrator ends up being Pilgu. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. And then there was a time jump at the end of episode eighteen, and he's already grown up. I was like, like, "What what is going on? Yeah, doing." I was shook. I was shook. Weird. But anyway, episode nine ends on a good note, and they have this whole section of dialogue that Dongbek says to the lawyer who we have loved and we haven't talked about at all in this episode. But it doesn't matter. Dongbek says, "I used to think of happiness as something like a test score." I used to look up at the scoreboard others made and thought about where I stand. No matter how hard I looked up, though, I couldn't find an answer. So would I? So why would I stick around looking for one? I dismissed their scoreboard as their own game and scored my own life based on my standards. Being happy by my own standards is all I need in life, right? Mm, that's a good quote. Damn. That's a good one. Damn. That's a good one. And I think we should all live like Dumbek has decided to live. Don't pay attention to the haters. Don't pay attention to social norms or what have you. Like, just not. be your own judge. Agreed. And be happy. Yes. <laughs> all right. I think that's all I have. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good start to the to season two of yes. Daybok K yes. Rambles podcast. That's um, right. I. Again, I found myself quite enjoying this love story. I will say again, the serial killer plot. I don't (laughs) see why it's in there. But at the end of the day, I still enjoyed myself enough. uh, So that way we can see what's coming down the pipe, you know? Yeah, for sure. We got some great shows coming that we're going to review. And if you're kind of like getting to those episodes or you're listening to this after the fact, just know that we're going to try and get Rico on as many episodes as we can, but there has been an upheaval in his work schedule. So if he's not on an episode, we're going to have some great guests on in, in the meantime. Yes. I I trust that you will find (laughs) some great guests to come on to the show. I am pretty excited for who I've, Uh, been talking to and i hope that you guys will enjoy the episodes 
regardless, Rico, you are irreplaceable, but we will press on and and have a season two. Yes, we will. I, I will still be behind the scenes and there'll be a couple of episodes that I'll I'll still be able to get my appearance on. But yes, there there has been a change in my life. So I may not be as frequent on on the episodes, but I'll still be around behind the scenes and, yes, and working he will on be, it. Yes, he is the editor mastermind behind these episodes. And if it sounds good at all, it's because Rico had a hand in it. So <laughs> uh, he is a great producer um, and again, irreplaceable as a co-host. So but I, you will be missed. Just know that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But. I, I'm not gone. I'm just you're not gone. Just a, a I, it's going to be a little <laughs> tough to to make all episodes, but I, yeah. I will try. Um, but again, Jessica is super passionate and I fully trust her and being able to run this ship. Uh, and yeah. I can't wait to hear those episodes for sure. I know you will definitely have to hear them up well, close I and personal. Have to. <laughs> yes, I definitely have to, uh, once yeah. we get to those, but I'm excited for the season two. I know we got some pretty interesting shows coming down. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. If you, uh, are on the social media at all, please follow us at ATC Debak pod. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and I think we're also on Facebook, but we don't really go on Facebook that much. Barely, <laughs> ever. Um, please give us a follow. Please support us any way you can. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. Alwayscriticpod is our um, home podcast. And so even though it says like always a critic, don't freak out. It's us. <laughs> don't worry. Yes, by by supporting us there, you're you're supporting everything that it we do. It is this show as well. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, that has been our show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Rico. And this has been the ATC Presents Daybok K Rambles podcast. Hey,